0: Indom Perspective broadcast The teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga We believe that this message Is going to open up the seals And cause you to have a deeper revelation Into the word of God That will make you see beyond the letters in the word Here is Dr. David Father we thank you We just bless and exalt your name once again We ask for God for wisdom Even as we have prayed Revelation of your word Peace Lord That will give us a God of glory standing before you. In Jesus name. Amen. Alright, so I want to try to see um, if I can finish up with this subject today. The genealogy of Christ that we're dealing with. This is going to be part number 12. And I want to try to see if we can be able to finish up today. We've been on this series for quite a while. And I'm sure you are also... Uh, actually catching up with what I'm I'm saying Or what the Lord is saying to us Through this um, particular message Again we look at uh, Mighty chapter 1 verse 1 It talks about the book of the generation Of Jesus Christ The son of David, the son of Abraham right? And then we Have a major test which is also from Revelation 20 10, 11, 12 Revelation 20, 10, 11, 12 Which we've been dealing with talks about the books of the generation that is Jesus Christ, then Revelation 20 talks about uh, I saw a great white throne, alright, 11, In particular that's alright, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and it was found no more place for them. And then verse 12, it says, and I saw the dead, small, great, stand before God, And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Amen? Praise God. So, we've taken the aspect of the judgment which we've been dealing with, and we've been able to explain extensively what it means, Uh, what judgment stands for. We've been able to see from the record so far. Uh, the book of life is Jesus himself And then we talk about the other books Which has to do with your life And we've been able to see clearly as well That Jesus Finally becomes the standard by which every man Is going to be judged Amen And uh, we illustrate that with the equal of Noah Noah was The Bible made us understand He was judge in his season or in his time Or in his days So same thing Jesus is the standard That we all are to be judged by that is to say, our character has to be conformed to his character. The same thing you find in Ephesians 4, reading from verse 11 to 14 or 13, we talks about who grew into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is that okay? Right. He is a measure. He is a standard. And so you, if, if even if you go to the book of Revelation, when you look at Revelation chapter 11, you are going to see the Bible tells us that the reed was given to measure the temple. Now the measurement of the temple, which has to do with people worshiping in the temple, is directly connected to the standard of Jesus Christ. It is the golden standard. In Revelation 11, like I said, you have there, you are going to be seeing the reed, and then go to 21, you see the gold. You know, the reed and then becoming the gold to measure the city, which has to do with the standard of Christ. Uh, are we together? Right, so everything God expects of you is the confirmation, to be able to conform uh, to the standard, to the measure of Jesus Christ. That's all that is dealing with. Okay, so we want to do very quickly today, like I said, I'm going to try to see how I can be able to wrap it up. So, the minister of judgment, uh, the minister of judgment. So, here I will quickly state again that the first phase of the minister of judgment Of the saints or the judges of the saints in the ages to come is judgment that is what I mean is the minister of the judges which are now the saints like I told before God judges no one or judgment will be coming to the hands of the son now the son is committing judgment into the hands of the saints Daniel chapter 7 is that okay right so the saints, First Corinthians 6, Paul said, the saints shall judge the world. So, we're dealing with the ministry of the judges. Right? Ministry of the judges. Like you find in the book of Judges, in the Old Testament, there were people that God raised to rule. Is that okay? But they are called judges. Amen? All right. But there are people that God raised up to rule the people, to govern the people. So they are called judges in Scripture. And so, when we talk about the ministry of judges, we are dealing with the saints of God. Ultimately, at the end of the day, is that okay? And that is to say, the age to come. So, the judges, the ministry of the judges, is directly connected to judgment. The ages to come. Is that okay? All right. So, and this will be followed by the second phase of their ministry. The first ministry is judgment. The second phase of their ministry is mercy and restoration. We are not judging people to condemn them. We are judging people to restore them. Is that okay? So the first phase of their ministry is judgment. Right? Good. But the second phase of their ministry is mercy and restoration. Anytime God judges you, for instance, in true Christ, He judges you to restore you. It doesn't judge you to condemn. It doesn't judge you to cast you away. It judges you to restore you back to who you were supposed to be. Are you done with me? Right. So that's going to be the second phase of the ministry of the saints. Which also to do with the judges to come and the ages to come. So we talk about mercy and restoration. Uh, knowing that judgment basically, you must understand, judgment basically is for correction and redemption. We said that before. God doesn't judge to condemn people. He judges to restore people anytime, anywhere. His judgment is for restoration. We have to understand the ministry of judgment, the purpose of judgment. It's not for condemnation. Is that okay? Right. So, you truly can be judge. This minister of judgment, if you don't have mercy and love. You can be a judge in this age to come of the saints that we are talking about if you don't have love and mercy you can't be qualified to be among the judges these are the prerequisites to becoming the judges of God in the ages to come mercy and love if you miss these two things you can you see it took the Lamb of God to open the seal right are you done with me you can find that Jesus I'm like, if I'm using two faces, I have four faces. The lamb, the lion, the lamb, and then the eagle, right? Man, lion, lamb, and eagle, as it were, if you will. He has four faces, right? But you see, the face that conquers, is not just the lion per se, it's actually the lamb. The lamb. is a lamb quality of God in Christ that he uses not only to open the book but to get men back to himself. The blood is not the blood of the lion, it is the blood of the lamb. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Right. It's not the blood of the lion, it's the blood of the lamb that redeems. Not the blood of the lion. So we need to understand that. You see, the fact of the lamb of Christ is so powerful that if you truly anticipate or you know, becoming a judge in the ages to come that God wants to use these two factors must not be missing in your life. Which is mercy and what? And love. Amen? These are the qualities you need to be able to carry out your duties. Beside you must possess the nature and the qualities of the Lamb like I said before. One of the qualities of the Lamb is such that the Bible says all manner of things were done to him, but yet he opened not his mouth. As I have three. Remember that? Good. That's one of the major qualities of the Lamb. Now, so we must come to that place in our walk with God and in God. With humanity. That will begin to possess the qualities of the Lamb. I want to reemphasize that. God, it is saying... A lion to redeem the world. He didn't send a tiger to redeem the world. He sent, who? A lamb to redeem the world. All those qualities are vitally important. But those things does not, as a matter of fact, speak for redemption. It takes the lamb to redeem. Are we together? Praise the living God. So if you truly want to walk in this new face. That God is ultimately risen up upon the face of the earth. You must possess the qualities of the Lamb. It's very important. So you go study out. How that works. Now. We have. Brother Enoch. That says something so powerful about these. um, Judges. At the end of the day. Prophetically. A company of people like I'm saying. In terms of redemption now. We are talking about people who are going to come to bring restoration to creation. Like you read in the book of Romans. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, the sons of God are going to be manifested. are not people that are going to be full of power. I mean in terms of what you describe as power. No, 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 no. But they are actually the Lamb company, right? That will bring restoration to the confused state of mankind as he's seen today. They are actually the saints, like the Bible says the saints shall rule the world. First Corinthians 6, 1 to 4, if you will. So, let's just look at that. First Corinthians 6, 1 to 4, once again. Do any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? In other words, do you have a case and then you are going to court for the natural man to judge you instead of going to the saints? In other words, two Christians have an issue. Instead of going to the elders to settle it, one is going to court to get a lawyer to judge the case. Say, so, dare you do that? By implication, for instance, you have a case with your brother and then you go to court, and maybe the person to preside on that cause could be a Muslim, could be an unbeliever, could be a taste or whatever the case may be. And the scripture says you you mean you allow yourself to do that? That's a question. I don't know if you're getting that. By implication, there is enough wisdom within the church to settle any dispute that ought to arise. And then verse two says Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if you, the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you see that now? That is to say, you are becoming judges to be able to handle issues as they arise, whether within the church or outside of the church. You should be able to be called upon as a Christian, as a believer, to bring wisdom to any situation where there is confusion. Matters ought to be resolved. Because you are present. Is anybody getting this? Praise God. Number three, God says, Know you know that you shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You should judge angels? Uh, I mean, you have to understand that again. Angels are spirit beings. Angels are created beings. Uh, agent does not go through redemption. They are created beings. You see, that is why in Peter, Peter writing and said, even the angels were desiring to know and the prophet of old, what things that be spoken of by the prophet, by the spirit that was speaking through them. Why? Because they don't understand how redemption works. They are just created beings. They are spirit beings. But you are a human being and becoming a spirit being. I don't know if you are what I'm talking about, yes. You, you are a human being redeemed and coming to become not just a spirit being, you are becoming a son. And to them it's a mystery that they are just servants, but you are becoming a son. Through the implication of redemption, you're becoming a son. So, I mean, they are surprised about what is happening in your life. Hallelujah. Are we see here. So, this is why Paul is questioning you, that its surprised that you can't handle such small matters that pertains to natural life, quarreling among yourselves, and now you are going to court to have it resolved. Whereas even the angels are supposed to be judged by you. By implication, you have more wisdom than the angel if you will. And in fact, scripture tells us that the angels are ministering spirits. Amen? And, but we do know that even today, there are still people that worship angels. And that is the height of, uh, how do I call it? Uh, dehumanization, uh, I mean, the reduction in terms of the qualities and the life that you're supposed to have as a redeemed being for you to worship an angel. You are not supposed to. Even the angel, as it were, the ministers to Paul, I mean to, 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 to John on the island of Patmos remember that in chapter 22 when he wants to bow down and worship John was to worship this angel as it were and he said no you don't do it I'm one of the your servants you understand that I'm one of the servants worship God you see that angels will not even allow you to worship them but ignorance of who you are in relation to your redemption makes you to bow down to angels You know, angels are ministering spirit. They are meant to take messages from you. And then take from God and give to you. Whatever the case may be. Is that okay? Come on, are we here together? Right. Okay. So now look at what um, Jude wrote about this. Jude 14. Jude 14. Bible says it was a servant from Adam, right? Jude 14 and... Yeah. No, Jude is just one chapter, so... Don't wait for it. It's verse 14, is what I'm looking for. All right. He said, And also the seven Romanians, that is Judah, prophesied of this sin, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Now, the word with is very, very powerful. The Greek word there is en, which is a primary preposition, denotes a fixed position in place, time, or state. By implication, instrumentality. That is. A relation of rest. In other words, the coming of the Lord is tied up with his saints as he reveals himself through them. Did you get that? When he says coming with, it's not like, how do I describe this? It's not like he's in front and then we're following. That's not what he's talking about. Is coming in through you. Yeah. He's, he's, he see it is he, he has his rest in you. The position of rest, the disposition of rest. He has his rest in you. Right? Good. That through you he will express himself. That's what he's trying to say. So it's not like he's in front and then we are following. No, that's not what he's describing. Amen. Now, if you read Deuteronomy, you find the same chapter thirty three. You also find the same thing that the saints of old came through, or I mean they came with God man That is not to say God was standing and then they were following God on the wilderness. No, no, no. What it means is God was in their midst. So God came with them or through them. Amen. If you look at the Amplified Translation, it's much more powerful. Amplified translation, Jude 14. He said it was of these people, moreover, that in on the seventh generation from Adam prophesied when he said, behold, the Lord cometh with his myriad, or myriad of holy ones. With his myriad, look up, with his myriad of holy ones. Thousands of his saints. That's what he's saying. Now, the original translation actually says, the Lord comes in holy myriad of himself. By implication, he's coming in the midst of a people who are so united with him as becoming flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, Lord of his Lord. I mean, you can't separate the people from him or separate him from the people. He has become so united. Look at this. Because of these people, moreover, that the Enoch and the seventh generation from Adam prophesied when he said, Behold, the Lord comes with his myriad of holy ones. Ten thousands of saints. The word means a myriad. Multitude of people. That are now Christ-like. All over the world. Can you get that? That's what he means by myriad. Of himself. He comes to the myriad of himself. Ten thousands. And that's why some people. You know you always get confused. When you use the word thousands. Ten thousands simply means multitude. It's not. Arithmetical value of computation. And that is where people get confused when they look at um, Revelation 14 And they think he's talking about natural Jews Which are the 144,000 That will be repented or become Christians from Judaism All of that is all rubbish It has nothing to do with natural Israel 144,000 is just The fullness of the kingdom of God. Because 12 is the number of the kingdom. I taught you that before. Remember that? Right. So you have 12 disciples. You have 12 nations. I mean 12 tribes of Israel. You have the tree bearing 12 manner of fruit in the D.C. Is that okay? Right. So 12 times 12 is what gives you what? 144. Thousand is always the number of God. That's why the Bible says... Every cattle on a thousand hill belongs to God. It's always a multiple of God's kingdom. That's what he's talking about. Thousand speaks of God's number. So when he talks about 10,000 of saints, talking about multitudes of people. That's what he means. Are we together? Praise God. So, God is coming. Now, this kind of people I'm talking about, they are the ones that are so united that when you see them, you see in Christ. Right? Right. Yeah, they come in the eyes of Christ, the hands of Christ, the legs of Christ, the mouth of Christ. They are so united with Him that whatever expression they give, that is Christ, we be manifested. This is the people that God is raising now on the face of the earth. That will do the finishing touch, if I may use the word, of what God has begun in terms of redeeming the world back to Himself. Praise God. Yeah. So... What is he coming for in this regard? Let's look at verse 15. Verse 15. To execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is what they are coming to do. This is the assignment of these people. Praise the living God. Yeah. So when you look at these people that is coming, the myriad of incense, they have a specific duty they are going to perform. And this duty is to convict them. Now you must understand what it means to convict. Like the Holy Ghost will convict people of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Is that okay? Right. Of seeing the men were not in the world, he convinced them of seeing that Christ is the Lamb of God, they should receive Christ, then of righteousness will tell you that you are a righteous person because you already have redemption imputed to your life. Amen? Right. So, you are going to be a people that will convince the world of all of these attributes that I've just mentioned. Verse 16 says, these are murmurans are complainers walking after their own lust, and a man speaking grace, in well words, having mess, positioning persons in admiration because of advantage. This is what they're going to come to do. So people who live this kind of life, the complainers, the murmurans, all of these people, they are coming in to judge them, not to condemn them, but to convince them of all that they are saying. Remember. The Bible tells you by your word, you are justified by your word, you are condemned, right? Of all the the things that they have said with their mouths, so they come to convince them, to make them understand that perhaps the things that they've been saying, they are not only in truth, but basically they are not the mind of God, not only for them, but for creation. Hallelujah. Are we there? So, the word execute is also very important, when you say to execute judgment. You know... It literally means to stand for, to carry out, to fulfill, to pursue a cause to an end. Judgment there. Right? It's very important you understand it. I mean what you were talking about, execute. To execute means to bring a cause to an end. Praise the Lord. I need you to get that. I want to illustrate this with the life of Joshua. Joshua executed the commission of Moses, did you get it? You see, God called Moses, he told him he was going to bring the people to the promised land, that was his main commission, bring them from Egypt, take them to the promised land. But he never got to the promised land. Joshua took the people to the promised land, divided the land to the people. So Joshua executed the commission of who? Of Moses. He brought it to an end. Are you getting it now? So judgment is to be brought to an end through the saints. Meaning we are the one to execute. Hallelujah. The judgment of God will bring it to an end. We conclude everything that has to do with judgment. On the face of the earth. And that is when we begin to get man back to God. Through the judgment we bring him back to God. So we conclude it. That's what it means to execute. Are you there? Right. Praise the Lord. So meaning the myriad of himself. Shall carry out and pursue the course of judgment at the end. Until the complete realm. And the effect of judgment is made manifest in the life of them on the face of the earth. In other words, we make God's judgment not just available, but bring it to a conclusion in the life of anybody. That we are going to be judged. Remember, I am saying the saints shall become judges and they will execute judgment. You understand that? Okay, some of you may not get this, but remember... Where to Samuel judge Israel. How many of you remember that? Good. So that will tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Samuel judge Israel moving around, you know, and then coming back to Ramah. Remember that? Right. He was a judge in Israel. So what does that mean? It was not that he was condemning people. So you don't see judgment to be condemnation, but judgment to put things right. Scripturally speaking. So you see. Samuel was going around the cities of Israel, judging the people, was a judge of the nation. Prophet and judge. You understand that? Right. Deborah was a judge. You remember that? Yeah. So when we use the word judges, we're not talking about those who go around condemning people. That's not what we're saying. That is not what the judgment is all about. That's why I said the basic foundation for you to be a judge in this myriad of God's people is to have two major qualities which is mercy and what? Love. Are you getting it now? Praise God. He said which you judge and to convince, not to convince or to, to reprove. It means fully that ungodly among them of all the ungodly deeds. Quiz they have ungodly committed, that's what he says. And of all their heart speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them, We convict them. We get them to understand that the things they said were blasphemous, were an indictment on the on the Lord himself and they have to come to a place of repentance when they realize what they have spoken. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. That's what it means. So yeah, the conviction is of the heart of the people. Which is like the influence of the Holy Ghost that must be ministered to them by the sons of the ministry of judgment. The Holy Ghost is the one that convinced people. You see, there's a big difference between you're just making a statement and you be empowered in making a statement. How am I gonna explain this to you? You see. If you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 11, you're able to see that these two ministry of the prophetic ministry of the two witnesses, right? Right. The Bible says, they were prophesying by the power of the word of God, I mean God, that God gave to them. So their prophetic entrance was influenced by God. That is different from just making a statement. I don't know if you're getting that right. You see, if you just make statements that are not backed up by God, they can produce conviction. Because there's no power that accompanies that. So when we're talking about convicting people, which is through the Holy Spirit, it is as you speak, the Holy Spirit backs up what you say, and produces conviction at the heart of your listeners. And that they repent or change from the way or whatever. That we are supposed to be doing. Are you getting this? Right. Uh, Sometimes the Bible tells us. When Jesus speaks. He said they are pricked at heart. The people are pricked at heart. You understand what I mean? Right. Even on the day of Pentecost. When. Remember Peter spoke. The people were pricked at heart. They said. Men are brethren, What shall we do? That is what I am saying. That was the judgment day. For those who listen to Peter. They got convicted by what Peter was saying and they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Are you following it now? Right. And that's the kind of thing that this myriad of saints are going to be equipped with. Their words will carry a power that will produce conviction in everyone that listens to them across the world. That's what we call the ministry of judgment. And through this, they will submit so that the cleansing process can begin in them working as judges. What I mean now is, by the time this conviction comes to the heart of these people, one thing happens, essentially, when the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every name must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. And remember scripture says. No man can say Jesus is Lord. Except by what? The Holy Spirit. Good. So you find that. Through the ministry of these people. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. They are going to produce conversion, Leading to confession. In other words. Remember. They spoke harsh things. Against God. Or against Christ. But now by the reason of the conviction they become converted and they confess differently from the confession they we have on before. Acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Exactly like what I'm saying is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Amen? So we're going to have a kind of all of the kind of Peters all over the world. I'm just using that for you to get what I mean. Right. You understand that? Right. The type of Peters ...multiplied all over the world... ...that when they speak... ...conviction will not only take place... ...conversion will take place... ...and confession will follow... ...you you understand that? Praise God... ...so there are some very... um, ...qualities... ...that these crops of judgment... and ...judges will possess... ...to enable them to function... ...like I said before... Uh, ...as judges on the earth... ...and that is the qualities of the Lamb... ...the seventh spirit of God... With this, they can execute judgment. I, I need to make you see this. Go with me to Isaiah 11. You need to possess this quality. You can take it from the New Living Translation, whatever, NLT. Isaiah 11, read uh, from verse 1 and 3. I said, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old roots. And then, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Begin to see them: The spirit of wisdom, one. Understanding, two. The spirit of counsel and mind, three, four. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, five, six, and what is that? It will delight in obeying the Lord. It will not judge by the appearance, nor make a decision based on his sake. So, the verse 2 is a quality that every judge is to possess, the verse 2. You can go back and read that. The spirit of the Lord went, what is upon him, the spirit of wisdom, two, and understanding, three, spirit of counsel, four, and of mind, six, spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Did you get that? These are the spirit. Now rest upon everyone that will be qualified to be a judge. And why would that happen? Because these people will not judge by what they are told. Are you getting that? They will be able to see into the spirit. They'll be able to understand why the person did whatever thing he or she have done. Not because of what somebody says. That's why I keep telling people as leaders. You don't take what people say and make judgment. Now, um, I belong to one of this uh, group. Actually, my old, old students, you know, secondary school. They've been the vice president. Now, somewhere along the now they asked me to become the chairman of the dictionary committee. And. When things happen, we have a five in that group. You begin to see people react. But I would say no. You got to find out why the person did exactly what he did. Something must have prompted the person to have done what the person have done. You need to look beyond the action. You must find out why. The person did what he did. Some could all be just mistakes. You don't judge people and condemn them when people make mistakes. Because almost everybody is prone to, to that. That's why Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about a priesthood. Now we have mercy and compassion on the ignorant. Because he himself is a man. <laughs> it's still so with that. You understand that? Right. So that's the right spirit to have in judging people. You don't just judge because of what somebody tells you. No. Even if the person really have done whatever thing that the person said is on. Why did he do what he did? Was it a deliberate act? No, no, no. You need to find out. So this is the spirit of the people we have. The number two factor there in Isaiah chapter 11. Are you following me? Now you need to study that and be able to find. Now these are the seven spirits of God. You also find in the book of Revelation. It's the same seven spirit that we we'll find. This is the spirit with which Jesus walked. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Hallelujah. So this is a judgment that is not based on what you hear or see, but align the mind of God to flow into the cause of the matter. That is how we judge. Let me give you another simple illustration on this. Paul used that word, but when we read it, we don't really catch what Paul was saying. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 4 and 5. 4 and 5. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But who adjudged me is the Lord. Well, look at the next thing. Therefore, judge nothing before the Lord, before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. What do you think he's talking about? He said, when you read this, what readily comes to your mind is, well, you don't judge anybody until judgment day. Until the Lord comes. You understand that? But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't pass judgment until Christ reveal himself to you as touching the cause of that problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying now? Yeah. Don't just pass judgment on the people until the Lord comes, until there's a manifestation of that spirit as to why such a thing has happened. He's not talking about the Lord come on judgment day. No. That's not what it means. He said, so when this happens, every man will have praise of God. Did you get that? By implication, when God reveals himself to you, in that situation, you'll be able to come to the place of acknowledging who God really is. Every man will have praise of God. When there's a revelation of that judgment coming to you. Praise the Lord. So, it's not talking about on the judgment day, no. In every situation you find yourself, don't condemn people until the Lord comes. That's what he's saying. Are you getting that? Right. This is already connected to, to the several spirit that we read in the book of Isaiah. It's almost the same thing. Until that revelation comes, don't condemn people until the judge comes. Hallelujah. Did you get it? Alright. So, Let's see, like I said, 15 minutes. I'm going to try to make sure we shut this subject today. Okay, let's look at the issue of the judgment of Christ, for instance. Somebody wants to ask me a question on this. Um, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. I appointed unto man who wants to die after that judgment. you know everybody quotes this scripture right and they go to verse 28 so Christ was uncovered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto salvation so what is the appointment he's appointed unto man wants to die what is the appointment let's first deal with the appointment are you there so you want to get the appointment go to Genesis 2 Verse 16 And then he said And the Lord said And the Lord commanded the man Saying of every tree of the, the garden Thou must freely eat But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Thou shall not eat of it For in the day that thou sh- eat of Thou sh- shalt surely die That was the first law that was given It becomes the appointment Is that ok? The day you eat you shall die That was the law that was given in the garden. Of the true knowledge of good and evil that just know it, that's what it means. That is the first and most valuable commandment that God gave to man, which was a test of obedience to indicate that he was dependent on who? On God for his living and sustenance. I was saying, Don't eat that, I have that provision for you. That's what it means. Is that okay? This one don't eat it. I have the tree of life for you. I have everything ready for you. But this one, don't eat this one. I can sustain you. This one is not enough to sustain you. It's not going to help you. Is that okay? For the test of obedience and reliance on God, that God can give you what you want, I can sustain you. And sometimes we, because of pressures of life, we always violate this, not just Adam alone. We like to eat the things that God said we shouldn't eat most times, because we are desperate, is that okay? Right. Okay. God gave him this man in that second son was the Lord of the Garden. Remember that God created and gave him to manage it, and it was necessary that he be accountable to God, who gave him that power and that authority as the master of the universe. He was responsible. Was supposed to be obedient. Was supposed to be willing, listening to God. Because God made him as his, his, his regent or whatever, vicarage, on the face of the earth. He was he was managing the estate on behalf of God. You understand what I mean? Right. So he was supposed to walk by the boundaries that God gave to him. Uh, especially as granted wisdom, knowledge, and everything. Remember he named the animals. Is that okay? Right. So he shows that if you lose sight... Of this singular goal in your life and vision towards life that is being dependent on God, you become like a beast and warped in your thinking. Anytime you move out from this simple command of rely on me, trust in me, and you want to do things your own way, you become a beast. Because the ministry of the serpent is to inject into man the beastly thinking. Is that okay? Hey, are we here? Right. So that's the main thing. So God intends us to always depend on him, always rely on him. And that is why you always see God say David is a man after his own heart. Why? Because you see, David would not want to take any action without first consulting God. And when he make mistakes, he go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Is that okay? Right. That's why the Bible says David is a man after his own heart. And by the way, there are certain things that <laughs> we must begin to appreciate by implication. The Bible says if you judge yourself, we have no one to judge us. Did it say so? First Corinthians eleven. Right. And this is very important. This is very important. You know what I mean? You should be able to grow in the law to a point where you can make some statement about your relationship with God. And they are there as to how God approves. For instance, the Bible says Moses is the makers man on the face of the earth. Who wrote that? Moses wrote it. He's saying something about himself. And God did not say, No, you're not correct. God said you're correct. But he is the one that said it. Uh, is anybody following what I'm talking about? Right. It's just like you were trying to share something with me yesterday. No, Paul we said This is not from the Lord, but I know I have the Spirit of God. Do you understand that? Okay. So he said, Moses is the makest man on the face of the earth. He was not being boastful. He was saying exactly what it is. And you know what meekness means? Meekness is not like when you're walking like a lamb. I mean, you looking like a worm. That is not meekness. Meekness is ability to forgive those who wrong you. That's what Bozzi was saying. Of all the people, of all the things they did, there at a point he was getting angry. But remember, when God said, I'm going to wipe all these people and get you a new generation. I'll take it. He said, no, if you want to wipe them out, you wipe me together. I want to go with them. He forgave the people. That's why he was the meek and smile on the face of the earth. Is that okay? And in the psalm he said, David is a man that God loves. Oh, who said that? David. How did he say that? I was thinking somebody would have been able to say that, but David said that. So, what I'm what I'm trying to say is you should, you should know your relationship with God. And if you confess it, it has to be so. Nobody has to begin to say, oh man, you are trying to be proud or whatever. No, 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 no. It is what you know. I don't know if you are getting that. Yeah. So David said that. Moses said that. All about themselves. They wrote it down. David is a man after God's heart. David is a man that God loves. You will think this man God prison himself. Well, correct. He was. And it was accurate. Hallelujah. Because he knew his relationship with God. He knew that God loves him. You should also be able to live to the point. Where you can have certain measure of. How do I put it. You should have some parameters. By which you judge yourself. Because you know that this is how God judges you. Praise God. Are you see here? mm mm-hmm. So. What we find in the book of Genesis was the appointment. So when man finally ate, the judgment finally followed also. And what was the judgment? Genesis 3 verse 19. So appointed unto man wants to die. After that, the judgment. <laughs> so the man died, judgment followed. <laughs> because today ate of this tree, that means he died, isn't it? So what was the next judgment? Look at judgment, verse 19. In the sweat of the fear that shall yield, did I return unto the ground for out of it was that taken for those are die and unto those that shall do what return the judgment followed is that okay yeah so now Hebrews 9 27 says appointed unto man once to die what was the appointment we just signed out in Genesis 2 what was the reason that follow death Genesis 3. Are you following it now? So now Jesus, because he has to be your kiss, my redeemer, have to partook of that judgment. Oh, so what is that supposed to be? Now, man is already condemned, therefore he must face the judgment. But Jesus came and took the judgment that you should not be judged anymore. You see, we are quick at saying, Jesus came to redeem us from the cause of the law, and we ended up thinking, the law there is are talking about the law of Moses. No! This is actually the law, that redeemed us from. Not just the law of Moses. Because that was a technical arrangement. Is that okay? He redeemed us from the cause of the law. This is basically where we were. What was the cause? Sin and die, that is Moses. The day he eat of this tree, he shall surely die. And so what happened? He came unto the judgment upon himself. So that you will not take the judgment. So he that believes on me has passed from death unto what? Unto life. Are you getting that? Because first of all, there have to be spiritual death before physical death. So he that believes from me have passed from death unto what? Unto life. So he took the judgment upon himself. So this is not a statement to say, well, everybody must die. That is not what he's talking about. He's relating what happened and how Jesus came into the picture. I don't know if you are following what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. So man became mortal, partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He gradually became degenerated, you know, losing strength, aging and all that. Losing his life and environment, became rough and tough. Eh? All manner of things going on, drought, famine. I mean, remember the word garden actually means paradise or paradisos. So where he was was paradise. Was a cool environment beautiful scenario if you will. Amen? Well good. So now by the time the cause came in the environment became harsh. And what do you have today? We're talking about uh, climate change. Is that okay? Right. All of these things are happening in relation to that. So you see that is where man again is going to come back to the place of dominion authority because you see the earth the climate, everything changed because man failed. But when man is restored, then atmosphere will also be resolved. That's why the Bible says. Even creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So all of those things called climate change, they will always come to an end at the end of the day. When sons of God actually do what? Manifest. Praise God. Alright. So the environment, cold, winter, and whatever, you know... All of this thing changing. You were talking to me yesterday. Winter season. Men are running away to. You know those in the overseas. They want to come to hot climates. Because it's now winter season. You understand that? Right. All of this thing. All these changes all over the place. They all start happening right in the garden. They all part of the causes. That was place of man. The environment was now revolting. Creation was not revolting. Because man failed. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, you see here. So, this shows a man will have lived in a very comfortable atmosphere for a long time also if he had not transgressed the commandment of God. Am I right? Praise the Lord. So we read now Hebrew chapters uh, 9 verse 28. So Christ will want offer to be the sins of many. Hebrews 9 verse 28. Is appointed a woman wants to die after that judgment. So Christ will offer to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto what? Unto salvation. You know what he's trying to say? He's not talking about, he's going to call again gay a second time. Already you are saved. So, what's he coming for? No, that's not what he's talking about. Christ, first of all, took upon himself the judgment that was due to... To all of us, so that we can be free from that judgment. Essentially, it was the judgment or the punishment that He burned all the sins or our sins. I have explained this to you before. Jesus did not bear our sins, He bought our, our, our punishment. Is that okay? Right. Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. And also, then I look for in Charlie a second time. Go with me to verse 24 of the same chapter. Verse 24 of the same chapter. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself. And not to appear in the presence of God for us. Did you get this? When you talk about second appearing... It's not to deal with sin. The first appearing here is to deal with sin. So when you talk of first and second appearing, this is the first appearing, and that one is second appearing. Not when he comes again. That's not what he's talking about. you got to understand it. The first appearing, but when he died. like the priest will always do, they will take the blood, and take it to the most holy place. Is that okay? And sprinkle it. The blood of atonement. Good. Of redemption now. So when Jesus died, this is why when Mary wanted to touch him. He said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father and to your father. Did you get that? What he meant to tell Mary, World, well, I have not performed this function yet as a high priest. I must present the blood. Everything is symbolic. I must present the blood as a sacrifice for your redemption. That I have not done, so don't touch me yet. But you find that that same day he was touched. Because then he has gone to present the blood. Is it making sense to you? Right. So now when you go to verse 28, which is the second appearing. It's not appearing in relation to sin. It's appearing in relation to the utmost salvation. That is to say, your complete salvation. In other words, but now, through the blood, your spirit is saved, your soul is being saved, but when he appears a second time, your body, you put on immortality. That's the second appearance. It's not talking about when he comes again. You don't understand that. Is that okay? It's not talking about when he comes back a second time. No. He's talking about appearing before the Father. Now you can understand what he was saying. Might you even like he said the same thing? He said, if you are ashamed of me, I shall be ashamed of you in the prison of my father or prison of the angel. Have you read that before your Bible? Very good. That's what it means. So when it's coming to glorify the saints and you, you, you deny him, he will deny you that privilege of getting glorified by implication for appearing before the father to say, these ones have followed me all the days of your life, they have stood by me. They have carried my cross, as it were. Are you following what I'm talking about? Therefore, they are qualified to be what glorified. That's the second appearing. Praise God. So it's not dealing with it's appointed unto me once to die, unto others to cry once over. Therefore, cried died because it's appointed. The therefore, you are going to die. No, 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 no. It's not dealing with that. Already he took the appointment. And then he faced the judgment which you were supposed to face. They carried the penalty of your sins. Is that okay? So Isaiah 53, for instance, will tell you that. 53 verse number 6, I mean number 5, Isaiah. But it was wounded for transgression, he was bruised for iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was what? Upon him, and which his tribe were what? Were healed because he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with what the transgressor that destroyed and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for what for them for the transgressors. He made intercession for the transgressors. Praise the living God! So he interceded in taking the punishment of our transgressions. He kept the appointment that you may not keep it again or be judged. For the consequences of the failed appointment that Adam had. All of those things you can't face anymore. He took them in your place. Praise the living God. So this is not talking about the future judgment day. It has nothing to do with that. Hebrews chapter 9. Not to do with that. Judgment that shall come. That we should be expecting. And the whole world will line up. And all that. No, it's not dealing with that. Praise God somebody. Again, let's cap it up. John chapter 5 verse 24 Hallelujah Are you following me at all? You yeah, are needed to understand that Hebrew chapter 9 is very important The first appearance verse 24 Second appearance when he declares that this one is qualified to be glorified John 5 24 Very very I say unto you He that hear in my world and believe on him that sent me Had everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but his power from death unto life. Praise God. Go to chapter 6, verse 47. Chapter 6, verse 47 of John. Verily, very I say unto you, he that believeth on me had what? Everlasting life. Hallelujah. Okay, just quickly. First Corinthians eleven, verse thirty-two. 1 Corinthians 11 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. When we are judged, we are chastened. We are not judged unto condemnation. When you do anything wrong, God flogs you as a son. Son doesn't go through judgment, son only goes through chastisement. Which is correction. Are you there with me? He took the judgment so that you can't take the judgment anymore. So what you take as a son is chastisement. Two strokes of the can, three strokes of the can, just to correct you. Amen? So sons are not judged. Let me, let me explain this to you. Hebrew chapter 12. I said I'm trying to round up this today. Hebrews 12, look at verse 5 to 11. Hebrews 12. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despite not the chastening of the Lord, not faint when thou art rebuked of him. And then, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And then, if you enjoy chastening, God dealeth with you as what? Our sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Then the next thing is about, if you be without chastisement, wherefore with all are particular, then are ye bastard and no sons. You have no father. The next thing. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. And... We give them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection unto the Father of Spirit and live? Look at the next thing. For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our good or profit, that we might be partakers of what? Of his holiness. Are you following this? No, now, no chastening no, for the present seeming to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after that, ye he that word, The peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness unto them which are what? And exercise thereby. Praise the living God. Did you get that? So there's a point. The chastening of the Lord enables you to partake of His holiness. So you are not facing any judgment. Therefore, don't expect a judgment day. Now everybody is going to line up. That is not Bible. Are you sitting that with me? Right. When you when you commit any offense, what God does is chasten you. And the Bible says, "Then that makes it a parting of His holiness." And the end point is the peaceable fruit of God. Righteousness. Praise the living God. So what am I saying? do I expect that one day everybody's gonna line up on the street or somewhere, wherever they are going to be, I don't know. And everybody's gonna line up and the books are gonna be open. No, 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 no. That's a fairy tale. That's only good for Nollywood. It's not Bible. Amen? Come on, are you with me? You face your judgment on a daily basis and I am saying the judgment that will come to the people of the world can no longer come to you because Jesus took that judgment and you believe on Him and because you believe on Him you can no longer come into what? Condemnation or judgment. So what you expect any time is the chastening of the Lord and the chastening of the Lord does not condemn you. The chastening of the Lord produces holiness and righteous fruit in your life. Because we are a son. Sons don't go through condemnation. Sons don't don't go through judgment. Sons go through chastening. Are you listening to me? Right. It helps you to grow. It matures you. And the Bible is saying if God is not chastening you, then you are a bastard. By implication, you are not a son. You don't have a son. I mean a father. Right? Every father corrects his son. That's what the Bible is saying. So the chastening of the Lord upon our life is to correct us and to make us to live a righteous life, make us produce holiness which is like Him. And that's what chastening does. That's what the weeping does, if you will. But other than that, you can't face what the people call the judgment day. There's nothing like that. And I've gone through the whole of this series to explain to you that there's no one specific day whereby everybody's going to line up and so we're going to be open. There's nothing like that. Praise the living God. I needed to go back again and go through the whole of this series. From part number one. And follow exactly what the Spirit has been sharing with us and revealing to us. So friend, this is where we come to the end of this series on the genealogy of who? of Jesus Christ. We ended it up with the books. And remember, we are the genealogy of Christ. And that's why the Bible made us to understand that just like it's a book, we are also the books. And the Bible tells us that, Second Corinthians 3, when it tells us that you don't need anything else or some people to make commendation or recommendation, we are the one or the superimposition of Christ. How I many of you understand that? Right. When you see us, you see Christ. You see me, you see Christ. That's the way it's supposed to be. You see what Paul would say? Be a follower of me, even at what? I'm a follower of Christ. By implication. If you me. follow me, Paul, you'll be able to get into Christ. Are you getting that? And that is what is supposed to be our position. That wherever we find ourselves, we can boldly tell people to follow us. But the question is, do you have what it takes for somebody to follow you? That's the challenge. Are you see that would be Right. Do you have what it takes for people to follow you? <laughs> You know, we've got to understand that. Because your life ought to be a witness. And a witness is not just somebody who have to... Rep- a witness somebody who have experience. Who has seen some things. Who have tasted some things. Who, who, I mean, for some information. For instance, there is an accident and they go to court to decide whatever happens, and you are a witness today. You say, I saw the accident happen. That's what a witness does. witness must they told me, I read the paper. No. So for you to be a witness, there has to be an experience. Are you there with me? What I mean is the experience of the life of God. That's why in the book of Acts, it told them, I'm going to release the Spirit, then you shall be witnesses. How many of you understand that? Good. So through the influence of the Holy Spirit, they become people. And because the were with the Holy Spirit and the were with Christ, if you will, they were called Christians by people who saw them. They were truly witnesses because people saw that Christ was in their life. Are you getting that? And that's exactly what it means. So, for you to become a witness, for you to be among the generation of Christ, that's what I mean. Remember, in Isaiah, he made it very clear that this is life, which has poured out, shall speak for him at the end of this day. That's why I said, who shall declare his generation? But there's a people, right now, I believe, who are declaring who? what his generation right now on the face of the earth if people that can you can see and say this man is a believer this man is a christian i believe this man i can go to god because of this man i can choose to become a christian because of this man that's what i mean you must come to that dimension of life of living for people to be able to point to god through you standing in between and then you becoming again a redeemer if you will that through you because he is the way yes we are also the way and that may be hard hallelujah come on God, it's so simple if Paul would say if you see me you see Christ if you follow me you get to Christ he is the way to Christ isn't it Christ was the way to God now we are the way to Christ and then to God so your life should be able to pave way for other people to come find God and know God that is the generation of the Christ that we are talking about Hallelujah. God bless you. Have I helped you enough? Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this.